tossing and turning all night like a salad, it's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus. A probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker, and I thought, if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate, so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. I'm Jill, and I'm a sober scientist who talks about the science and psychology of addiction. There are a lot of things that influence developing an addiction, and none of them are that we're weak-willed losers. In the Sober Powered Podcast, you'll learn how and why addiction develops, how alcohol changes the brain to keep us drinking, and most importantly, that you're not alone. The things you experience are experienced by many of us. (laughs) 
Welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about how alcohol shrinks the brain and what that actually means. I'll explain how alcohol shrinks the brain, how this impacts our cognitive function, and how the brain recovers with sobriety. You'll learn about some genetic factors that make us more vulnerable to abusing alcohol and what happens when alcohol causes permanent damage. So let's dig in. So we all know that alcohol shrinks the brain, but what does it mean when you have a smaller brain? How does that impact your life? What does brain shrinkage actually change? So when your brain shrinks, it means that there are fewer connections between neurons, and this changes the way that the brain communicates with itself and with the body. A 2007 study from the American Academy of Neurology found that the more alcohol people drink, the lower their brain volume. So they looked at MRI scans of almost 2,000 people ages 34 to 88 who were non-drinkers, former drinkers, low drinkers, which meant one to seven drinks per week, moderate drinkers, which was 8 to 14 drinks per week, and high drinkers who drank more than 14 drinks per week. So what they found was that people who had more than 14 drinks per week had an average of 1.6% reduction of brain volume to skull size compared to the non-drinkers. So the researchers were measuring the ratio of brain volume to skull size so that it would normalize brain volume for all participants. So brain volume decreased by about a quarter percent for every increase in drinking category. So the non-drinkers versus the former drinkers, the former drinkers versus the low drinkers, and so on. And of course, there were sex differences too. So if you've been listening to this podcast for a bit, then you know that the negative effects of alcohol are stronger in women than in men. So more anxiety, more alcohol-induced changes to the brain, and more health consequences like cirrhosis. So in this study, alcohol reduced brain volume in women slightly more than it did in men, especially for the older women in the study. So most studies that I read consider drinking more than 14 drinks per week to be heavy drinking. And studies on women, that might be more than 8 drinks a week. So 14 drinks per week is the same as drinking 2 or 2.5 bottles of wine, depending on the percentage, or 14 5% beers a week. Many of us are drinking a lot more than that. Some of us may even be hitting the heavy drinking criteria in one day. So if these results are based on drinking more than 14 drinks per week, then you can imagine the damage alcohol is doing to someone who is drinking 40 or 50 drinks per week. A 2020 study published in Scientific Reports looked at 300 people between the ages of 39 and 45. And this study found that even moderate drinking, which would be 14 or less drinks per week, resulted in lower brain volume. Our brains naturally shrink as we age, but starting this process earlier puts a person at much higher risk for dementia. And conditions like high blood pressure and diabetes can also accelerate the process, and alcohol increases our blood pressure. Studies have found that alcohol-related brain damage can at least be partially reversed with sobriety, even as early as six weeks into sobriety, which is great news. So we talked about how the brain recovers in sobriety way back in episode 26. 
So if you haven't listened to that one, make sure to check it out after this episode. So the frontal lobes of the brain, including the prefrontal cortex, take a big hit from alcohol. This part of the brain is one of the earliest to be damaged, which affects our personality, behavior, impulse control, and our ability to control our emotions. So damaging these areas of the brain makes it harder for us to understand that we need to stop drinking. Neurons are long skinny cells that connect to each other by nerve fibers, which are called dendrites. You can think of them like the roots of a tree and the tree itself would be the neuron. These dendrites are the white matter of the brain, which is what alcohol damages the most. Gray matter is the different parts of the brain. So like the prefrontal cortex and all the neurons it's made up of. The white matter is the connections between parts of the brain. So dendrites that branch out from the prefrontal cortex and allow it to communicate with other areas. Alcohol causes the dendrites to shrink, but this can be reversed with sobriety and they can start to grow again and spread across the brain. Most of us have a big boost of mental clarity around two months of sobriety. So you can imagine all of these dendrites have grown and spread across the brain, allowing it to communicate with itself again. Improving the ability of the brain to communicate with itself also improves brain function, which is what we feel when we finally experience mental clarity for the first time. And like we talked about in last week's episode, alcohol abuse changes our brain's reward system and damages the areas of the brain responsible for decision making. So this causes our pursuit of alcohol to become compulsive. We become so focused on instant gratification, and this is one reason why relapse is so common. We stop valuing delayed rewards, and even if instant gratification comes with consequences later on, we still seek it out. But with long-term sobriety, our brain does heal, and our ability to make decisions and control our impulses will improve. Reduction in brain volume is also genetic, so just like some of us are more vulnerable to developing a problem with alcohol than others, and some people are more vulnerable to developing cirrhosis than others, some people are also more vulnerable to having their brain shrink more from alcohol abuse. There was a study from 2019 published in Biological Psychiatry that looked at published data from three different brain imaging studies and compared drinking behaviors in twins and in non-twin siblings. So what they found is that there were shared genetic factors that led to both less gray matter and increased alcohol use. If you listen to episode 11 where I discuss endorphins, one of the studies that I talked about found that some people have naturally low levels of endorphins and that when they drank alcohol, their endorphin levels shot up way above baseline. This was compared to people with average levels of blood endorphins and when they drank alcohol, there was no change in their endorphin levels. So having naturally low levels of endorphins makes someone more vulnerable to abusing alcohol because it feels so good for them when they drink. So that big boost of endorphins triggers a big release of dopamine, which makes us remember how amazing drinking feels. 
So this study has a similar conclusion. Our brains don't all have exactly the same volume. Some people just have naturally less brain volume than other people. So what this study found is that people with lower brain volume drank more, which led to them having even less brain volume from alcohol damaging their brain. My main purpose with this podcast is showing you how some people are more likely to develop an addiction than others, and there are so many factors that are out of our control that make us more likely to abuse alcohol. These aren't just genetic either. Your childhood and your lifestyle as an adult play a big role too. Even the career path you choose makes a difference. Alcohol fixes a problem for us. It could be a lifestyle problem or it could be something genetic that you aren't aware of, like having low levels of endorphins. And by solving a problem, alcohol makes us depend on it for instant relief. And that's where you get into the cycle. So back to this 2019 study, they used data from the Duke Neurogenetic Study, the Human Connectome Project, and the Teen Alcohol Outcome Study to confirm that drinking more is associated with less brain volume in two main areas, the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex and the insula. The dorsolateral prefrontal cortex is a part of the prefrontal cortex, and this part is involved in tasks like decision-making, novelty detection, working memory, conflict management, and mood regulation. And the insula is involved in our concept of self-awareness, so it allows us to differentiate between different emotions so we know how we're feeling and what to do about it. So if you think about it, these two areas of the brain being the main ones that are lower in volume for people that go on to abuse alcohol makes a lot of sense. Problem drinkers struggle to make good decisions, regulate our emotions, handle conflict well, and most of us have no idea how to handle negative emotions in any way. We may feel overwhelmed very easily and know that alcohol fixes this, or we use alcohol to fix our sadness, embarrassment, or anger. Having less brain volume means that these areas aren't functioning as well as they should, And not being able to handle emotions or even understand how you're feeling and why is a big risk factor for abusing alcohol. So what happens if you damage your brain from abusing alcohol? So alcohol-related brain damage does not get worse over time like dementia would as long as you stop drinking. So some people will have small changes to their thinking and memory, which would improve at least partially when they stop drinking. Besides shrinking the brain and damaging the ability for it to communicate with itself in the body, alcohol can cause brain damage in a few other ways. Alcohol damages our blood vessels and causes high blood pressure, which we've talked about back in episode 17, alcohol and the heart. High blood pressure and damaged blood vessels both increase the risk of having a stroke, which can cause major brain damage. Alcohol also messes with the body's ability to absorb nutrients, and this can cause damage to the brain too. So thiamine, or vitamin B1, is required for the brain to function correctly. When we're abusing alcohol, we really aren't concerned with eating healthy either. Drinkers may skip meals to make up for the calories in alcohol, or eat unhealthy foods to attempt to cure their hangovers. 
Wernicke-Korsakoff syndrome develops when the brain doesn't have enough vitamin B1 for extended periods of time. So the first stage of this is Wernicke's encephalopathy, which is swelling of the brain. And if this isn't treated, it develops into Korsakoff syndrome. And this has many of the same symptoms as dementia. So about 25% of people that are affected by this get treatment and recover fully. About 50% recover partially but still need support to function in daily life. And another 25% do not recover and need to move to a residential care home to get the support that they need. Symptoms include confusion, mild memory loss, difficulty controlling eye movements, and poor balance. And the earliest symptoms of this are disorientation and confusion. So about 1 in 10 people with dementia have some type of alcohol-related brain damage. And in people with early-onset dementia, 1 in 8 have alcohol-related brain damage. But it's estimated that the real number is much higher because so many people do not get treatment for alcohol addiction. And another risk factor is falling. It's very easy for drunk people to fall, and you can really hurt yourself when you fall drunk, especially if you're falling down the stairs or some big kind of fall. So that's another risk factor for having brain damage. So overall, alcohol damages the brain and impacts our ability to have self-awareness, to control our emotions, and to make decisions. But with sobriety, your cognitive functions will improve, either partially or fully, as long as you haven't done any permanent damage, like Wernicke-Korsakoff syndrome. And if you're early in your sobriety, then pay attention when you reach two months. I really hope that you feel that big burst of mental clarity that I was talking about. It's a really cool feeling. It's like coming out of a fog and you can finally think again. So I hope that this all made sense and was interesting to you. I see so many people talking about how alcohol shrinks the brain, but like, what does that even mean? So how does your brain shrink? What does it mean after your brain has shrunk? So I thought that I would explain it more. And if you want to learn more about how the brain recovers in sobriety, make sure to check out episode 26. And I will talk to you next week. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope, listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there.